0: association and this station are you between a rock and a hard place more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray welcome to save the lost at all costs posted by save the lost at all cost inc featuring your sister in christ and humble servant of the lord nina s griffin Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you can join in on our discussion today. And you would dial 702-650-5588. Again, 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That would be 800-366-8883. I say again, 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live right now over KKVV's website, which is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just waved to you. We're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website. Our web address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, we do archive our radio broadcast on the website. Just look for our weekly archives. Click onto it. Listen to what you like. We have years of broadcast up there. The Gospel is always free on our watch encourage you to spend some time on the website and tell a friend and listen as often as you like again www.savethelostlv.org if you have an apple device we are being archived on iTunes. Again, the gospel is still free on our watch. If you have a cell phone, and most of us do, you can listen to KKVV anytime you like by dialing this cell number. It only works in the United States. So that's KKVV 1060 AM and 100.1 FM. I'll give you the number twice. It's 7, excuse me, 605 313 0630. Again, 605 313 0630 I really encourage you to make it part of your phone contacts, save it now, be one of the best contacts that you have, and share it with someone else. I'd like to thank the wonderful staff and the owners of KKVV uh, 1060 AM and 100.1 FM for having uh, their third annual open house for the listeners. It was wonderful. I came. It was great. The weather was great. The refreshments were great. The fellowship was great. It's even wonderful for me to come out and meet some of my fellow broadcasters because I don't know everyone. So I really, really had a great time in the Lord. I had a lot of things planned that day. So subsequently, I couldn't stay long. But I tell you, for the time that I was here, I was really blessed and looking forward to the next year's event. So if you missed it, um You can always come out and check us out. We always have our doors open. So we'd love to see you and meet you. And thank you for your prayers and your support. And just really, really appreciating what it is that has to come together for this to happen. And it's a lot of people working to build up the body of Christ. So I'm very grateful and humbled by your love and your appreciation and your continued support, and more so than anything, your faithfulness and all things that represent the kingdom of God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So thank you for letting the Spirit move on you and use you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we are going to be talking about betrayal today. That is our topic, betrayal. So if you live long enough, uh, you will be betrayed By someone who's very near and dear to you. Uh, Most betrayals don't happen from enemies, they happen from the people that are closest to us. And I saw something today that really uh, resonated with me, and I'd like to share it with you. It says, Betray a friend, and you'll often find you have ruined yourself. Again, it says, Betray a friend. And you'll often find you have ruined yourself. So we're going to look at a couple of instances of betrayal. I found something that was written by uh, a wonderful brother in Christ. And his name is Craig Von Busick. uh, Busick, uh, B-U-S-E-C-K Craig Von Busick. And um, I found it as I was doing some study and some devotion on uh, the Christian Broadcasting Network's website. So the topic that he has here is called the Burden of Betrayal. So I'd like to share it with you because it does have some Bible scriptures in here that I think are very, very important. And then um, I'd like to uh, give you uh, an instance of betrayal and we'll probably do a two part series, uh, because I think it deserves that much time. So I am going to get myself ready to have the scriptures here so that we can move along. It's a lot to cover. And, um, if you know somebody who is dealing with betrayal, it might be a good time to send them a text and reach out to them and tell them to tune in to KKVV 1060 AM or FM or if they have access to the internet they can uh catch us live as we are streaming in real time which is www.kkvv.com and or you can listen to it on the sale again I gave you that number 605-313-0630 but uh it would be a great opportunity for you to reach out to someone and uh let them enjoy this time in the lord that we have together because uh you know, you have a four-letter word. They both start with H. And one is hate, H-A-T-E, and the other one is heal, H-E-A-L. And you have to decide what you want when you have become a uh, victim of betrayal. Do you want to hate or do you want to heal? So, you have a choice. So let that soak in a little bit. And uh, we ask that the Holy Spirit be with us today. Open up our hearts and minds. And let us remove that that does not honor God. And let us begin the healing. And let us begin to be open as to what part we're playing in the betrayal now. And I pray that you receive what the Word of God has for you today. That is my humble prayer. In the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Amen. So, I'm going to share with you the burden of betrayal. And, quote, I have been betrayed. Everyone has uttered those words at one time or another in life. A friend of mine recently wrote her Ph.D. dissertation, on the premise that anyone who has been a leader in the body of Christ for an extended period of time has experienced a major betrayal from someone close to them. The Bible makes it clear that if we follow Christ, we will experience rejection and suffering, and we know of the betrayal Jesus himself experienced. I recently attended a retreat at a secluded mountain hideaway, an experience with accompanying reading, focusing on deep self-reflection, in some ways, by God's grace, I found that I was right where I need to be, in other ways, though I found myself wanting. Not too long ago, before the retreat, my father, who was a godly man, sent me an email where he shared something the Lord had told him about me in a time of prayer. It was somewhat of a Revelation Church's rebuke. The Lord said through my father that though I have been doing a lot of good work for him, I have allowed my heart to grow hard. My first reaction was, this is just my dad being critical. But I know enough about the way that God works to not stop at my initial reaction. First of all, my father is a godly man who prays often and listens for the Lord's voice. And I had to admit that what he heard was from God. After some prayer and reflection, I started to tune in to what the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about taking my commitment to him to a higher level. He was right. I had allowed my heart to be hardened. At this retreat, the Lord did a work of breaking up that hardened clay, reminding me that it was all about relationship with Him, and that He is truly a God of love, despite the failings of mankind that we see and experience in this fallen world. As I shared at the retreat, In the last few years, I experienced a betrayal from someone who was close to me. I did everything I knew to do in my power to keep it from happening. But it did happen. And even though I know in my mind that God had given mankind a free will to choose whether to obey him and to allow his commands, excuse me, and to follow his commands, I also knew that God is sovereign and he seized the end from the beginning. He knew this person was going to betray me, and yet he allowed me to go through the pain of this relationship. Though I knew that this person made the decision to betray me, somewhere in my subconscious, I had put part of the blame on God. Why didn't you let me know this was what was lingering under the surface in this person, I wondered. During the retreat, I came to the point where I realized that I was struggling with a a subtle subtle anger towards God concerning this betrayal. On the second night of the retreat, one of the leaders guided us in an object lesson, one that will remain with me for the rest of my life. We were gathered in a rustic retreat centered in the Appalachian Mountains, so far from civilization that we had to climb up to the third floor balcony of this 1870s era hotel to pick up a signal on our cell phones. Can you imagine the inconvenience? The retreat leader dumped a load of "'of grapefruit-sized rocks onto the floor in the middle of our circle "'and then told us to choose a rock to represent the greatest burden that we were carrying. "'I selected the largest rock in the pile since my burden seemed so large to me at the time. "'Then he told us to go and pick up the rock we had chosen. "'Everyone moved in at once, and by the time I got to the rock pile, "'the one that I had picked was gone.' I looked around and quickly picked up the next largest rock. This rock was ugly. Other people even told me it was ugly. It was oddly shaped, discolored, twisted piece of some sediment sedimentary rock, and it was heavy. I was not pleased. Later, when the retreat leader told us that we were going to be carrying the rock with us until further notice, at that point... There were still three and a half days left in the retreat. He even told us to shower with the rock and to sleep with it. I could imagine showering with this ugly rock. It needed a good scrubbing. But I drew the line at sleeping with it. I placed it on the desk next to the bed and said good night to it each evening. That was enough for me. I didn't like Talk, excuse me. I didn't like taking the rock with me wherever I went. It was ugly. It was heavy. It was twisted and dirty looking. Other people had nicer rocks. I was actually jealous of them. Some of the other rocks were very nice shapes. Others were much smaller than my rock and easier to carry around. Some of the rocks were so nice that I would see How they would be able to sleep with them without any problem, like a teddy bear or a security blanket. Mine, as I have mentioned, needed a good scrubbing, but it would not come clean. It was stained. It was twisted. It was a pain. It reflected well the burden of betrayal that I had been carrying. I didn't like carrying that ugly, heavy thing with me everywhere. The metaphor was working, but I had been betrayed at a very deep level and it continued to affect my life as i pondered the ramifications of the situation with a friend we talked about the kind of forgiveness that was required in this level of betrayal i knew what the bible said about the necessity of forgiveness matthew 6:15 But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew eighteen twenty one and twenty two. Verse twenty one. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? 22. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Mark eleven. 25. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. I have always believed in the adage that for- forgiveness is given, but trust must be earned. I could forgive. But I could not imagine allowing that person close to me again. How can you build a relationship with a person who has betrayed you publicly and who never asked for forgiveness, I asked. What about Jesus forgiving and restoring Peter, my friend responded. Peter never asked Jesus for forgiveness. I knew my friend was right. I bet he would have done the same for Judas Had he lived, I thought. That's why we need our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. They give us perspective that is sometimes clouded by our emotional state. On the final night of the retreat, we were led to an outdoor cathedral on the side of the mountain. This peaceful sanctuary had been built by hand over the years by the Christians who volunteered their time to pull the rocks from the hillside, wash them, chisel, and shape them, and then join them together into the appearance of an altar, a bell tower, and a baptismal. It was after dark when we arrived at the cathedral, and we were greeted by dozens of burning candles on the altar. The retreat leader stood before us and declared that it was time to lay our burdens down at the foot of Christ. I was amazed at the turmoil that churned inside of me. This was a time of intimacy with God. It was a confrontation. He was requiring me to lay down my burden at his feet and at the same time to forgive him. It was almost ludicrous thought. How could you forgive a holy and perfect God who is the embodiment of love? And yet, there it was. There was no escaping it. By being a God of love, He had created a world in which His creation would have a free will to choose His path or to choose their own way. There was no getting around it. Love does not create robots for fellowship. That would defy the definition of love. Love must give freedom for others to not love in return. Love must give freedom for others to choose to go down their own paths. Even if it ends in that path of destruction. Love must give freedom. And love must forgive. I carried my twisted ugly heavy rock still in need of a good scrubbing by myself to that stone altar in the midst of that wonderful cathedral even though my classmates sat on the hard wooden pews behind me i was as alone as the day i was born and the day i will die it was just me and a holy god i knew that he knew my heart i knew that he knew me better than i know myself He knew my anger, he knew my frustration, he knew my loneliness, he knew my pain, he knew my fear, he knew that it was all real. But he also knew that I loved him. And he knew that in the end, I trusted him. I understood that true love must include free will. I understood that a true father disciplines his child. I knew that regardless of my feelings of self-importance and self-righteousness, I was just another sinner in need of a Savior. I knew that the same love that gave us the free will to reject Him and to make the free choice to sin was the same love that sent a Savior to redeem us back to Himself, even when we didn't want to be redeemed. I understood that It was his spirit that wooed me from my earliest childhood to recognize him as father. It was his spirit that gave me insight into the meaning of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when my third grade teacher would discuss it in religion class. From my childhood, I knew that God was love, and I knew that God was calling me to love. Now, all these years later, I truly knew the cost of giving love and the consequences of choosing to love even when that love was not returned. I knelt down before the altar. I raised that ugly, twisted, heavy rock representing my burden that needed a good scrubbing but would never come clean by any labors of my own. And I placed it with a thud on the stone altar. I surrender to you. Lord, I am yours. As long as I live, I will serve you and obey you to the best of my ability with the help of your Holy Spirit. I paused for a moment, collected my thoughts, then continued. I will forgive the person who betrayed me. I paused again breathed deeply and moved ahead. I ask you to forgive me for my anger towards this person and towards you. Again, I paused, forming the thought and then releasing the essential and inevitable final phrase. And I forgive you for allowing me and my family to go through this trial. I sighed deeply. I love you, Father. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Holy Spirit. I looked up at the cross above the altar and at the flickering glow coming from the small lit candles, and I determined to leave this burden there in God's hands by his grace. It was done. I will never forget the retreat, that ugly rock, and the beautiful candlelit altar. Like so many other biblical altars of remembrance, where righteous men and women wrestle with God, over the centuries I too struggled at the base of an altar and then i surrendered unquote. i hope that blessed you tremendously it blessed me so much that i wanted to share it and now we're going to look at another betrayal we are going to go to second samuel I'm going to read a couple of verses and then we're going to go to Psalm 55 because it has a lot to do with Psalm 55, these couple of verses. You'll see how it times in. So let's go to 2 Samuel. And if you're just joining us today, we are talking about betrayal. So we are going to 2 Samuel, going to look at... Verses 15, excuse me, Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 31, and then I'm going to go to Second Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. So the first one again, is Second Samuel chapter 15, verse 31. Okay. And all the scripture I've been reading today will be coming out of the new King James Version. So again, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 31, and the word of God says, Then someone told David, saying, a hippophile is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of a hippophile into foolishness. I'm going to read it again. Verse 31, again, 2 Samuel chapter 15, and the word of God says, then someone told David saying, "A hippophile is among the conspirators with Absalom." And David said, "O Lord, I pray, turn the counsel of a hippophile into foolishness. And now we're going to go over to second Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 23. And the word of God says this: "Now the advice of hippophile, which he gave in those days was as if one had required, inquired of the oracle of God. So was all the advice of a hippophile, both with David and with Absalom. 23. Now the advice of a hippophile, which he gave in those days, was if one had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the advice of a hippophile, both with David and with Absalom. So hold on to those, and let's go over to Psalm 55. And then I'll come back, and we'll tie it all together. But it's important that you hear that. Now, you're probably saying, well, who is a hippophile? I'm glad that you asked. A hippophile was one of David's most trusted Advisors. In addition to that, he was Bathsheba, David's wife's grandfather. And his son was Iliam, and Iliam was Bathsheba's father. And when David was standing on his porch looking out, And he had decided not to go out on a campaign. Usually uh, David as a king would go out with the campaign and, you know, face Israel's enemies. This time he said, you know, he wasn't going to go. And so he looked out on his porch and he saw Bathsheba taking her bath. Uh, In those particular days, a woman would take her menstrual bath. So she was taking her bath and he inquired about who that was. And uh, he was told uh, that that was Iliam's daughter. So he knew that if it was Iliam's daughter, then it was a Ahippophil's granddaughter. Yet David went in after her. And for those of us who are familiar with the story of David, uh, he impregnated Bathsheba. But Bathsheba was married to Uriah. And David spoke to his nephew, Joab, and said, Make sure that you place Uriah in the heat of the battle so that he would be slaughtered. And Bathsheba was carrying a child. And the child was born. And God had told David that he was going to take the child and spare his life, but that the sword would always be in his house. So can you imagine a hippophile is David's trusted advisor, the grandfather of Bathsheba, the spiritual covering of his son, Eliam, and Uriah, who was the Hittite, who was married to his granddaughter. He had been killed because of treachery and betrayal. His great-grandson was taken by God because of treachery and betrayal. And there was shame. And he had boiled to the point where he wanted to personally Kill King David. So let's read Psalm 55 and see what David is speaking on at this particular point. Again, if you just joined us, we're talking about betrayal. So we are in Psalm 55. And the word of God says this, verse one, give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication Two, attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily three, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me. And in wrath they hate me. Four, my heart is severely pained within me. And the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Five, fearlessness and trembling have come upon me. And horror has overwhelmed me. Six, so I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. 7. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. 8. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. 9. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues, for I have seen violence and strife in the city. 10. Day and night they go around, it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. 11. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. 12. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. This I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from it, Thirteen, but it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. Fourteen, we took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. Fifteen, let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. Sixteen, as for me. I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. 17. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry out loud, and he shall hear my voice. 18. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. 19. God will hear and afflict them. Even he who abides from of old, because they do not change. Therefore, they do not fear God. 20. He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. 23. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. And that was Psalm 55. So, you see... How emphatic David is about the prayer. When you look at verse one, it says he's asking God to hear him and not to hide himself. But look at verse two, he says, Attend to me and hear me. That is pleading, it's dire. It's life or death. And he needs God desperately. See, David did not want to take this on. He needed God. A hippophile was who he was speaking of when he talks about In verse 13, but it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. 14, we took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throne. But I did explain to you what was going on with a hippophile. And I don't know that it was ever addressed. his perspective of how he perceived David to be the betrayer of him and what it brought to his family. Now, Absalom was David's favorite son. And he came for his father. To the point where he wanted to kill him and take over his kingdom and take the throne by force. So, a hippophile, he aligned with Absalom, that one that did not have a right to the throne, that was willing to kill the king and to take what was not his by force and to dishonor God, dishonor his father, dishonor himself and dishonor the kingdom. See, when you have Kings and Kings council and mighty men of valor and permeating into the next generation, you have a real spiritual Wicked battle that's going on. And David. Needed to speak to God. Most desperately. About what was before him. He was ran out. Of his home. He was driven out. By his son. Absalom. So if you will recall, when we were reading 2 Samuel in chapter 15, verse 31, he wanted any counsel that a hippophile was given to be considered foolishness, especially when it came to Absalom. Because he was counseling Absalom. Now, the foolishness, if you really want to hear something that's mind-blowing, a hippophile's name means son of folly or ruin. Folly is another word for foolishness. And when you read about folly and fools and foolishness, especially in the book of Proverbs, it is In relationship to judgment. A fool is rebellious in his heart. A fool is one that will not take wise counsel. A fool is about death and destruction. A fool has no God because a fool believes he is God. Truly he is a son of perdition. the things that he does or she does takes them further from god their very soul is at stake betrayal will happen to most of us if we live long enough and it will come from someone very close Someone that we love, someone that we trusted. It is a complete breakdown of trust. It's painful. But we talked about two words earlier. We talked about two four letter words that start with H, and they mean two completely different things. We have hate. And we have heal. And if you will not let God address it, because you have your own mind and your own way as to what you feel will satisfy you, then what is it that you want the Holy Spirit to do? It will happen on so many levels and it will touch us deeply and it will teach and it will touch us greatly. But do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? Then you have to bring everything to the Lord in prayer. The first thing I read, the burden of betrayal. the gentleman said that he had did everything to stop it yet he knew it was going to happen and it did happen but God is sovereign he knows the beginning and the end and can we just be open to the possibility that you would have allowed that person to stay in your midst had not spiritual disinfectant and light have been used and shined on them. We cannot use the same weapons and tactics that a person uses that is not honoring God when they come to hurt us. Why would you want to take on any of their attributes? Why would you want to go tit for tat? Why would you want to have a Hatfield and McCoy solution to a spiritual malady? When we agree to be in relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we will recognize God the Father. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And it's about trust. It's about they know what's best for us. And we will experience great trials and tribulations. And betrayal is one of them. But we have to decide how we want to respond. And a great way to respond is in prayer. And make sure that your prayers are sincere and that you speak of the pain and the hurt. This is a wonderful opportunity to speak to God passionately to unburden yourself to allow yourself to be healed on so many levels forgiveness is just that powerful we cannot have it unless we are willing to forgive those who have trespassed against us it is important that you get that men and women of god it has to happen Pray for them. God has given you discernment. So did you understand who you're dealing with? Because some of us are drawn to those type of people. You have to ask yourself, why am I drawn to those type of people? There's so many things. That are going to be very beneficial for you in this experience. It's going to bring you closer to God. It's going to really show you. That He loves you. That He cares for you. That He is a healer. He is a protector. He is a rewarder of those who seek Him diligently. There are blessings for obedience. But if there's something that's in you that's hardening your heart, it must be removed. You cannot serve him with a hardened heart. That would not be modeling Christ. His son did not have a hardened heart when he dealt with Judas. Not at all. Oh, and Jesus could have felt some way about Judas. Judas. But Jesus kept his eye on his father's business. And for him it was all about fulfilling the prophecy. And not stopping. With the work that was before him. The work at the cross was before him. We have all benefited by that. And our Lord and Savior could have got distracted. Oh no. But he kept his, thing, his mind on the higher things. He was on a mission. He was not going to be held up. But he had compassion. And he cared. For Judas. In every sense of the word. And gave him every opportunity. He never instructed Judas to kill himself. Now, Hippophil was a, a man who was so revered he was considered an oracle of God, a voice of God. His counsel was that good. However, David said, and he cried out to God, he wanted what was once his wise counsel to be considered foolishness. And he counseled Absalom, and Absalom. Was not successful in trying to take his father's throne. In fact, he was killed by his father's nephew, Joab, with three darts to the heart. And he was buried in a pit. He wasn't even buried in the royal burial place. And he was his father's favorite son. And he died a conspirator. Against the kingdom of God. Because he attacked what God had put in place. A lot of us are stronger than we think. You will get through it. And many of you have and don't even realize it. But when you want to cloud yourself with revenge and think about things that are destructive and hateful and counterproductive, you too become twisted and heavy and unuseful. And a burden to yourself. Trust God. Trust His Word. Trust the example that He gave us with His only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Look how He handled betrayal, He understood. That he had more to do than what was done to him. That wasn't going to be all that it was. We have a commandment. We've been given a command, men and women of God, about forgiveness. Forgiveness is so much about us. Because it demonstrates trust and faith in God. And if he asked you to do it, it's because it is what needs to be done. They're blessings with obedience. He can restore every day that the locust ate. He is a repairer of broken hearts. He can take what's dead and make it alive again. You cannot make someone a priority that makes you an option. Put your faith and trust in God Almighty. It's what David did. He cried out. This is the king. He was so overcome with this act of betrayal. His most wise advisor, his wife's grandfather, men and women of God, and his favorite son conspired. But Hippophil once Absalon's attempt to overthrow his father resulted in his death. Once Hippophil heard that, he put his affairs in order and he went and he hung himself. See, I said something earlier. And I'd like to say it again. Betray a friend and you'll often find you have ruined yourself. Please come back and continue with us. We will be doing a part two on betrayal. I hope that I have blessed you tremendously. I hope that I have given you something to think about. And I pray that you choose to heal and not to hate in a season called now. We love you and God bless you. And remember to save the lost at all costs. his very own Christian talk radio stations, 1060.